Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, November 1st. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Governor Tate Reeves has extended the emergency order for Jackson's water system. The city's mayor says solutions are on the horizon. Then a group of activists continue to stand in support of abortion rights, even after the state's only abortion clinic locked its doors. Plus, celebrating Dia de los Muertos with the state's immigrant community. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mayor of Jackson, Shokwe Antar Lamumba, says the city is closer to identifying solutions for its trouble-plagued water system. Speaking in front of City Hall yesterday, Lamumba announced after months of testing, the Mississippi Department of Health informed him Jackson's water system is currently in compliance with the Safe Drinking Water Act. And he says officials are close to finalizing a private contract to continue repairs on the water system. We are moving ahead with securing a firm, as you know, to handle the operations and maintenance uh, for the city's water system. We've had several firms to already uh, tour the plant, uh, which is a part of the application process. uh, So we look forward to them making submissions. We appreciate the governor, uh, that the governor has extended the state of emergency through November 22nd. Our goal is to have a contract in place by November 17th. That is our aggressive goal, uh, and we are still working to make that happen or put that in place. In the meantime, we are working closely with the Department of Justice and the EPA to ensure our water treatment facility continues to function. Uh, Our city attorney's office is in ongoing negotiations with the Department of Justice, which is the representative of the EPA. Um, And so uh, they have been exchanging uh, notes, if you will, back and forth uh, with respect to the agreement uh, that continues to take place and the negotiations are moving along. We are working uh, alongside the U.S. Water Alliance and other agencies to ensure the sustainability of our water treatment plant. On Friday, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers has provided us with a resiliency playbook that will assist in making repairs. Uh, They have assessed uh, not only the short-term needs, but the long-term needs of the water treatment facility. And they made it clear that while they have created this resiliency playbook, it does not prioritize 
uh, certain projects. And so we will still be working in conjunction with other experts in order to prioritize uh, the things that are listed within that playbook. The state has received federal funds to address water infrastructure repairs and updates. Two congressional chairs sent a letter to Governor Tate Reeves asking for details on how the state is allocating those funds. Lamumba says the price considerations and reimbursement mechanisms will be factors going forward. We are also keeping a close eye on the price tag of the improvements uh, that are being made. Uh, I believe uh, a few weeks ago or a week or two ago at this point, it was mentioned that the state had spent $13 million thus far in repairs at the Jackson Water Treatment Facility. The good news is, is that 75% of that is reimbursable, uh, and the cost of the other, the remaining 25% is split between the state and the city. And so ultimately we will have spent the exact same thing on those cost of repairs. Uh, The benefit of an emergency like this, and the reason that we're grateful for each step, whether it's my declaration of emergency, the council's uh, confirmation or um, uh, continuance of the emergency, the issuance by the state and then the federal government, is that it allows us to move with deliberate speed. It allows us to move quickly. Uh, We know these challenges are progressing each and every day, and so time is of the essence, and so we're grateful for that. While the month-long citywide boil notice is in the rearview mirror, activists have not slowed their efforts to demand more. Yesterday, members of the Poor People's Campaign met at the Smith Robinson Museum to rally and march to the governor's mansion. There, our Lacey Alexander spoke to organizer Danielle Holmes. We're here today um, to send a message to our state and federal um, officials that we aren't going anywhere. We're going to continue to fight, um, protest, and put it, keep it in the face of this country, what we're dealing with in the city of Jackson. Um, we believe that the pressure is working. We have gotten the attention of our federal government, uh, EPA. We have gotten cooperation from EPA. We're now forcing and demanding cooperation from the state, our governor, Governor Tate Reeves of the state of Mississippi, to continue to, number one, provide the necessary resources for Jackson's water infrastructure. Do you feel like some Jackson, like some Jackson citizens have been forgotten about? Do you feel like certain parts of the city are struggling more than others? We're all impacted here. Clean water is unclean water. Whether you're black, white, whether you're Republican or Democrat, it's still unclean water. And if you live in the city of Jackson, we're all impacted. So while there are those in South Jackson and West Jackson, which is predominantly predominantly black communities, are disproportionately impacted because they're the last ones to get restored water, right? Um, and so, yes, there are some, some parts of the city that's disproportionately impacted. But when you talk about the impacts of all residents of the city of Jackson, all of us are impacted because unclean water is here all over the city of Jackson and just not in Northeast Jackson or I mean it's just not happening in South Jackson and West Jackson. I live in Northeast Jackson and I have brown unclean water. There's a conversation going on right now about potentially a private contractor coming to work. Um, How do you feel about that? Do you see that helping or harming the issue? We're asking, we're demanding, one, that the resources, so the city of Jackson water system was paid for by the taxpayers of Jackson, right? And so you don't get to, Jackson is not for sale. 
our water system is not for sale. And for anyone who thinks that we're for sale and they can just come in and buy their way or take what we have paid our tax dollars into, the answer is no. We will not stand for it. We will fight for it. And as a matter of fact, we will fight like hell to maintain a public water system that the citizens of Jackson have invested their tax dollars into. Gotcha. And if they put a blank check on your desk, said ask for whatever you want, what would you ask the governor for right now? The necessary money to fix the entire water infrastructure here in the city of Jackson, as well as the crumbling um, potholes and anything else that needs to be fixed that isn't fixed in the city of Jackson. But Jackson isn't for sale. Our airport isn't for sale. And our people aren't for sale. The mayor said today, however Jackson is, is how Mississippi is. Do you see that as true? Yes. So goes Mississippi. So goes so goes Jackson. So goes the state of Mississippi. And if so goes the state of Mississippi, so goes this country. Supporters at the event called Moral Monday left bottles of contaminated water on the mansion steps to show Jackson's water crisis isn't over. Coming up, a group of activists in Mississippi continue to stand in support of abortion rights even after the state's only abortion clinic locked its doors. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. The U.S. and the Holocaust documentary started a conversation about our country's role in a dark passage of human history, inviting us to consider how world events might shape or reveal our national character. Continue the conversation with us on November 15th at our virtual screening of scenes from the U.S. and the Holocaust, followed by a panel discussion with audience Q&A. The event is free, but registration is required. Visit mpbonline.org for details and to register. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. It has been more than 100 days since Roe v. Wade was overturned. The clinic at the center of the case, Jackson Women's Health Organization, better known as the Pink House. Supporters continue to show up, though its doors have been long closed. For the Gulf States newsroom, Maya Miller talks with local activists about what keeps them coming back. The final days of the Pink House were chaotic, media from abroad clogging the streets, with abortion rights supporters on one side of the sidewalk and opponents on the other. Back in June, John Osborne was one of more than a dozen there to show support for reproductive rights, even though the state's only abortion clinic was hours away from shutting its doors. On a Saturday morning in October, the street is quiet. But Osborne is still here. On this particular morning, he's one of two older men outside of the abandoned pink building. They hold poster boards nearly as tall as they are that say, honk for choice and row, row, row your vote. We we just feel compelled to keep this issue in front of people. He's part of a group called Stay Pink. Every weekend, he and a handful of other activists gather on the sidewalk to make sure the fight for abortion rights continues, even though the clinic is closed. Once the clinic was actually closed, you know, there was a lot of emotion, a lot of reaction. We want to capitalize on, on that uh, emotional reaction. As Election Day gets closer, 
Osborne hopes people driving by will be inspired to join them or go vote. Heidi Barnett co-founded Stay Pink. Sometimes she joins Osborne on the street, but lately she's phone banking and sharing election information across her networks. The like tragedy of overturning Roe v. Wade is people are going to have abortions. They're going to have them anyway, whether they're legal, safe or not. So the minute they pass that, they sign death sentences for so many women. She says the government hasn't done anything to support or improve day-to-day conditions in a state that has some of the highest rates of maternal and infant deaths. Mississippi State Health Officer Dr. Daniel Edney estimates that 5,000 more babies will be born in the state now that abortion is illegal. All, all the babies, what, protected 5,000 more babies when our system can only, can barely handle the 4,000 now, and the antis want to hand them a, a can of formula and a box of diapers and walk away. That is not health care. That is not supporting women and babies. State leaders have done a couple of things. Both the lieutenant governor and the speaker of the House created legislative committees to make recommendations that support mothers and families for the upcoming session. But members of Stay Pink want something more immediate. When the Pink House was open, volunteers, known as Pink House Defenders, would escort patients past protesters into the clinic. And Barnett wants to pick up where they left off. Her daughter, Wren Allen, was actually the last defender to be trained. I don't even think they realized that that was going to be the case until after the Dobbs decision got leaked a few weeks after I started. Allen is grateful that her mom is carrying on the torch. What does that feel like to you? Um, I'm really proud of my mom. I'm really proud of John. To be able to sit out there every single day and deal with everybody um, coming at them left, right, and sideways. But she hasn't been able to join them, even though she wants to. And I know a lot of the other defenders feel that way, but there's just some sort of a mental block. Yeah, the feelings are complicated. She's glad to see so many others getting involved with reproductive justice, but reminds those fighting that it'll be a long haul. And if you put all of your energy into it right now, you're going to burn out. And that's not useful to you, that's not useful to me, that's not useful to the movement. It's all about sustainability, baby. For abortion rights activists and opponents, sustainability is top of mind, with midterm elections right around the corner. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Maya Miller. The Gulf States Newsroom is a partnership between Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public radio stations in Alabama and Louisiana. Coming up, celebrating Dia de los Muertos with Mississippi's immigrant community. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Many Hispanic immigrants in the state are beginning the two-day celebration of Dia's 
Dulos Muertos. The holiday is celebrated across Mexican and Central American cultures to remember those who have died. Isla Gonzalez moved from Veracruz, Mexico to Mississippi more than 20 years ago. She doesn't have many opportunities to return home. So this holiday serves as a way to reconnect with long-established cultural traditions. Gonzalez, along with Lorena Quiroz with Immigrant Alliance for Justice and Equity, share more about the celebration with MPB's Kobe Vance. Quiroz speaks first and serves as a translator for Gonzalez. Our Immigrant Alliance, we are a home for immigrants of different backgrounds, and the leadership is Mexican, Ecuadorian, and Brazil. And because we have a huge uh, Mexican membership, we decided to really, you know, to take that that beautiful cultural um, activity uh, that happens in, and Isela will go a little bit more, that happens in Mexico and replicate it. And so that meant uh, dressing as folks do in Mexico on the Day of the Dead and creating the altar. But also Latin America celebrates Day of the Dead in different ways. Dia de los Difuntos, Dia de los Muertes, and in the beginning with our indigenous ancestors. Uh, we all have ofrendas. We come together as a family to celebrate the lives of our dead loved ones. But I like to bring the question to Isela because she'll be specifically referring to Day of the Dead as celebrated uh, in Mexico. Isela, ¿qué significa... La celebración de los Días de los Muertos. Bueno, la celebración de los Días de Muertos en mi país, que es México. The celebration of Day of the Dead in my country, which is Mexico. Es una celebración muy, muy importante que tiene raíces ancestrales. It's a very important celebration that has ancestral origins. Nuestros ancestros ya celebraban a sus seres queridos que habían muerto. Our ancestors uh, celebrated the lives of their loved ones, of their dead loved ones. Y cuando vino la época de la colonia, las las tradiciones se se fusionaron de alguna manera. And during colonization, traditions merged. La diferencia que para nuestros antiguos mexicas the difference between our ancient Mexicas. No, no era importante cómo, habías, te, cómo te habías comportado en la vida. It wasn't important as to, you know, what, what you did in life. El lugar a donde tú ibas después de morir. The place where you went after death. Dependía de la forma en que tú moriste. Depended on the way in which you died. Esta, esta tradición... Es más que nada para honrar las memorias y la vida y el legado. And this is a tradition that serves to honor the memory, the life, and the legacy. De los seres queridos que han muerto y de nuestros ancestros. Of our dead loved ones and our ancestors. Aunque pareciera uh, el, su nombre algo oscuro, como Día de los Muertos. Although the name may sound something dark, you know, Día of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Más bien es una celebración de vida, de la vida de ellos. More than anything, it's a celebration of life, a celebration of their life. I wanted to ask um, you specifically, what is it like being able to celebrate your culture here in Mississippi? Soy inmigrante. I'm an immigrant. Soy inmigrante, soy una inmigrante veracruzana I'm de Veracruz, México. Veracruz, México. Y bueno, traer una, una, un 
un pequeño pedacito de nuestra tradición. Aquí representa mucho. En este país, yo tengo 20 años. Y a veces pasa uno mucho más tiempo sin estar con sus seres queridos. Y es una manera de conservar un, un poquito en contacto con nuestra con nuestras tradiciones. And sometimes you go very many years without seeing your loved ones, and so it's good that we're able to keep in touch with our traditions. Muchos de nuestros familiares han muerto y nosotros no hemos podido ir a Many of our allí. family members have passed away and we aren't able to return to our countries to see them. Tener un altar en la casa con sus fotos. To have an altar at home with their pictures. Vuelve a mi memoria todas estas vivencias que tuvimos con ellos y todo nuestro amor su love, cariño y las enseñanzas que nos dejaron en, en vida teachings that they left us while they were alive I know another aspect that y'all were discussing uh, is the impact on the ice raids and how people have been detained and those who have died in ice detentions Lorena can you tell us a little bit about what are y'all trying to represent how are y'all trying to remember people this year through these celebrations so um every year we have had a vigil on august the 7th or august the 8th um and we do make sure that we remember uh folks that perished um uh, during covid after being detained uh folks that perished on their way back we had a a really really painful experience with Um, uh, a gentleman uh, that shared a cell with one of our members and he was deported and when he came back he was burned um, and, along with about a dozen other um, members and families that were coming, coming back. Um, so we, we one of the things that we talked about on uh, or been speaking about is making sure that our community is able to heal from this trauma Um There was a conversation recently that, well, it's been three years, right? But people feel the weight of losing uh, your your loved ones forever. Uh, grief is not something that disappears. Uh, it's always with you. And seeing a picture or hearing a story, you know, it brings all those feelings back. So I think this is a, is a time for our community to, and we've had some of the members bring pictures and talk about their legacies. Why? They sacrifice so much, you know, to come to this country and to build a better life for their loved ones. Um, I arrived when I was six. So all the when I see Isela and when I see the members, I think of my mom and the sacrifice that she did so that I could be here sitting with you, speaking English, right? Have the privileges that I have. Isela is doing that for her children. And so are so many of our members that were... Um, that were abused during those ice raids, that were detained for over a year, that had to experience hunger. You know, they it was so many humiliations. And then, you know, just being thrown back during COVID. Uh, so this is a time where, where we remember that and, and we try to heal a little bit from of those, some of those things that have hurt our, our communities in the last, you know, years. Lorena Quiros is with Immigrant Alliance for Justice and Equity. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.